Two trucks having sex. Two trucks having sex. My muscles, my muscles involuntarily flex. Two trucks having sex. Two trucks having sex. My muscles, my muscles involuntarily flex. Two pickup trucks making love. Listen up, Auto Thoughts and Decepticlowns. You are listening to Prime Cuts, a nonlinear history of the Transformers franchise on television. I'm one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm your other host, Audrey. And we're done. We did it. We finished Transformers Armada. It's over. It's behind us. Forever. Good riddance. We hated it. (laughs) You know... That's a joke. Armada... Is a land of contrasts, you see. Um, we, you know, I, I chose this one as the start season. Well, we decided this, it together. Yes, because I believe it was both of our entra- entrances to the to the to the franchise. Um, and I think that the Unicron trilogy in general is sort of a a bit of the franchise that has kind of faded into memory as time has gone on i i feel as though it's not quite as you know it doesn't spring to mind as much as a beast wars or an animated does i don't know i think it really for me i think it really depends on where you when you grew up yeah that's I, fair. I i agree i mean i think beast wars is more iconic just because it was such a departure from the franchise and also the franchise was so young back in those days yeah right but so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed but i don't think i don't think it comes to mind any more any less readily than animated actually and you know i i say that however they just revealed a new titan class cybertron metroplex yeah that's... so what the fuck do i know yeah i i, I think i think uh, as most of the traditional 2d they are robots that turn into car series go and even the 3d ones as well um it it is every much as present in the minds of those who grew up with it yeah as the later series are and i think that's the that's the thing right because i feel like with armada and i i don't really want to talk about energon and cybertron here even though they are so connected in my mind um, well, it's because they are connected in reality. That's, that's true. Um, but, like, I feel as though Armada in particular is a series that I have a lot of fondness for and that I, I have a lot of, like, nostalgia around. But I don't know if I could ever recommend someone who wants to uh, start experiencing Transformers to begin at Armada. It's just, it's so rough for so much of the show. I can maybe recommend it as, like, in the sub. Yeah, Micron Legend seems a little bit more, a little bit more stable. Um, and, like, you know, it, it, it is a, it is a Transformers-ass Transformers show in so many ways. Um... With the exception of the the uh, the addition of the minicons, the the that's the I think that's the big, like moving forward thing that Armada did was give us minicons and microns because that that is a thing that will yeah. keep showing up time and time again. Well, I mean, yes and no. So, I mean, there were minicons. Yeah, 
There were there were always small. There was like a, a small price point figure, right? Where you know you had like the mini cars in G one. You had the Micro Masters at the end of G one, which kind of filled a very similar role to mini cons. Weren't like the mini cons like Bumblebee and Brawl? Yeah. Well, they like were called like. To- as... Mini cars. Sorry, Brawn. Think... Yeah, Brawn. Brawl. Brawl is a big, yeah, a big ready Very much point. not mini. No. I fine. don't think they were ever Huffer. referred to. Uh, I don't think they were referred to as mini cons in any like official. Really. Media. No. Okay. And if they were, it might have been like, af- you know, official G one media after Armada. Because that's the other thing is, you know, yeah, we're still getting new G one stories. Probably the closest you got were like the Cassetticons. Yeah, like you know, and Cassetticons. Little... Cassetticons functionally are actually quite similar to the Microns. Yeah, like there's Armada. always there's always been that that price point of toy where you have like the small thing that often pairs with a larger thing. The, the MicroMasters are even sold in teams, just like the Minicons are. But I think the main idea of the minicons of they combine with figures to do things is actually the part that was brought forward because there there are minicons and microns uh in the transformers prime toy line in japan anyway um there were minicons minicon minicons played a pretty big role in in the 2015 robots in the sky show like that that name has popped up and and yes also minicons take a little bit from the the target masters and headmasters and power masters of G1 but that's a, a sort oh. of a different concept you know what they weren't they weren't yeah they weren't called minicons they're called mini bots yeah mini that's bots that's what it is that and that's been around i think they were still called that in G1 even but they were yeah but it's different yeah, Minicon, the Minicon name is one thing that Armada's legacy has. I think the other interesting thing about Armada is that it was really a reset, another big reset button for the franchise. I was talking about this a little bit in our opening episode of it, but like the, the complexity of a lot of designs had kind of gotten out of hand for a lot of the later toy lines. When you look at like the 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 higher end beast machines figures and like the the robots in the skies 2001 figures shit was getting crazy um and and the the and the other thing is the robots in disguise toy line was like a mess where they just kind of collected all of these figures you know they had some from car robots and then car robots also had repaints of the combaticons from G1 in there so they sold those in stores but also they filled out the end of the toy line with a lot of Beast Machines figures that were never released in the actual Beast Machines toy line. But also, there were a lot of Beast Wars 2 and Beast Wars Neo figures in the Car Robots toy line that were also reaping. So it was just it was just a giant clusterfuck. And Armada recentered everything on these kind of blocky uh car designs where a guy turns into a jet and that's all that's all you need and i think more importantly at least in terms of its media and by way of that uh in terms of its its toy designs it 
despite not being one of the necessarily more successful um, lines, it kind of decided, uh, was like a critical decision that decided the path that the Transformers franchise was going to take for the next couple decades. Um, you know, because they had G1 and then they had like Beast Wars and Beast Machines and they were trying to figure out, I mean, at that point Hasbro was just trying to figure out how to make another buck. Yeah. Um, you know, they're like, all right, we did the car thing. What else can we do? And then there was the 2001 Robots in the Sky show, which kind of like kept the brand alive, but didn't do much to reinvigorate it. And finally, Armada came out and it's like, no, we're going back to our beginning. This is what Transformers is. Transformers is giant robots that turn into cars and planes, and planes, trains and automobiles. And that's what they do now. Yep. And all you know, it was also you know not to say that Armada wasn't successful. It was insanely successful. It yeah, made yes. them boatloads of money, um, which is why it got two sequel shows, right. which were also very successful. But uh, like that was it was like the critical. It came yeah. at the critical time when like Hasbro was like, "What do we do with this IP?" And it's so funny because there were there were there were two there was basically two concepts in development around the same time. I don't remember if I brought up trans tech at all in the I first Armada episode. When we but were like, talking about it, yeah. There was there was a treatment of, of this show called Trans Tech that was going to continue down the these complex design routes. And and Trans Tech would later sort of become a uh, one of the collector club side story things, like a like for lore nerds, which is the you know, this big multiversal nexus kind of thing. But they they decided no we're gonna we're gonna get way we're gonna basically start from scratch Autobots Decepticons on Earth fighting over something they're in disguise and it it really paid off for them and they turn into planes trains and automobiles yes. and bringing <laughs> back Unicron uh, who was pretty much entirely yeah. absent for all of the Beast era. Uh, was 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 a big thing, and like centering this entire trilogy around him. And again, you know, you can I think make a pretty reasonable argument to say that like Optimus and Megatron were in Beast Wars and Beast Machines, but technically they were not. And it also it also helps solidify Megatron and Optimus as the iconic characters and the constants that they are in the series now moving forward. Yeah, like. We had Optimus Primal and Beast Wars Megatron, who literally took his identity from G1 Megatron, but also the biblical figure Megatronus. We'll get into that once we eventually talk about Beast Wars, because that shit's fucking crazy. Um, And then Robots in Disguise, you know, you had Optimus Prime, but their Megatron, who is Gigatron in uh, in the original, is a really odd... You know, because he wasn't Megatron. He's a he's sort of a different character. He was like a six changer with a bunch of weird modes. His colors were fucking crazy. Like these, those two were very much not the iconic ones. And so now we bring it back. Yeah, you're right. Optimus, Megatron, ancient rivals, settling scores over eons, fighting for peace, fighting for domination. We're we're back at it. Across different media and in different formats, uh, each 
uh, show builds on what their background is, um, which, you know, Armada doesn't actually really go into outside of, they just really want to kill each other. They've uh-huh. been going at this for millions of years and it's pers- deeply personal and they just want it done. Um, but, well, animated takes an interesting approach because it kind of like resets their entire relationship to nothing, um, to non-existent before the yeah. show begins. Um, but besides that, I mean, starting with the Bayverse movies, really, um, it, it, uh, each, each new piece of media has really built on that relationship, which has become a, a the core tenet of the franchise, really. The, yeah, the sort of once, once brothers in arms now, now on opposite sides of this war sort of dynamic interpreted in, in various ways throughout most, uh, series set after the 2007 movie has become the the main the main way you do an Optimus and a Megatron. But before that there wasn't really a like and wasn't really just, any kind of thing. And not just the main way you do an Optimus and a Megatron, but the way main way you do a Transformers series. Mm-hmm. A piece of Transformers media. Um, you know, we get there are there are offshoots like rescue bots that focus on other groups. But um which I don't you're, think we'll, we'll. I don't think we'll be covering any of the baby shows. Unfortunately. Yeah, but like I you're never, you're never gonna find a main main line trans piece of Transformers media, be it video game, TV show, movie, or comic or light novel. I don't care that does not focus on those two, on the relationship between those two at this point. Yeah, like. I mean, and sometimes they can go so far as IDW1, which certainly focuses a lot on their relationship. Um, I'll always remember that the first mainline uh, issue that James Roberts ever wrote for uh, for Transformers after I think it was after Last End of the Wreckers, where he wrote one issue uh, of the current ongoing there was the one where they had captured Megatron. And they were transporting him in Omega Supreme. And uh, it's Optimus talking to Megatron who is like tied up to the wall. And it's like, ah, I see. Yeah, really? So uh, yeah, like the, the Optimus and Megatron dynamic is very important. And even in this show, at, at the end, becomes very much the core. And it's a thing that kind of gets lost as the Unicron trilogy goes on. I mean, obviously they're still there. They're still fighting. But I really feel like... This is the only one that puts that front and center. Yeah, but I think it's important because I think this is the one that sort of cemented it. Yeah, because in so many ways, Armada Megatron, you know, going forward, is such a JRPG villain. He's constantly making deals with the devil and and controlling Unicron's power and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. He he is not necessarily the the classic flavor of Megatron so much. Um but I, I do, I do regardless like him because I, I just love, I love David K. Megatron. It's a, it's a great voice. It's a great performance. Yeah. So how did it? I, I, I know that you have, despite it being our both of our first serious foray into the franchise, um, I, I know that it's something that like you actually owned it and watched it a lot of times. Where I just caught it on Toonami when I could. Uh, so how did it live up for you? I mean, obviously it isn't as cool as it was when I was, you know, 
seven or whatever. Um, but I, I did have them warm fuzzies watching a lot of those episodes that I watched over and over again. Yeah. Stuff like swoop and Mars. And it was, I really remember just watching over and over again because I liked those plot lines and I liked those characters. Uh, the stuff with scavenger in the early bits of the show. I remember watching a lot and like, honestly, yeah, the dub is quite haphazard and, and maybe not very good, but like it held up okay the there are moments (laughs) for armada i think uh, especially in the later bits of the show and in the middle too in the middle as well mostly the thing i i I, you know the the thing i really enjoyed that i didn't remember enjoying so much was i i just truly love armada thrusts just a complete fucking idiot snake of a character with a with a very fun vocal performance like that the dub thrust is just, it is very clear to me that Colin Murdoch, who who I believe is his voice, is just having a fucking blast every single second. He loves it. And I would, I would love it too if I got to do that shit. Yep. But yeah, like, I, I wouldn't say, I'm glad I watched it all again with a, with a real fully built human mind. And got to experience all of it and, and sort of relive those memories. I'll probably buy the, the complete series DVD or whatever and put it up on a shelf just, just because. But it is a shoddily dubbed children's anime from the early 2000s. Of which there are, there are plenty of those. I bet there sure are. There are so, there are so many of those. What about you? How did how did how did uh, Micron Legends hold up you know, as a show was, on its own? It was really interesting. I'm. It was interesting to see the original version and see the changes. Some of, most of which were fairly insignificant, but some of which I think really made a huge difference. Um, and now some and some of those really significant ones are just like things that are straight up errors. In, right. They just the, were they just the fucked up. They just fu- or, or I don't. They just I don't completely fucked it. Uh, some of those are so like the some of those are so insane. Like the one where they just entirely replaced Demolisher's ho- voice with Hoist for an entire episode near the end. Yeah. Crazy. Not great. Not great. Not great. Um, so you know, so, some of those are that, but um, you know, I think about, for example, how really effective it was just to hear double face laughing throughout the entire background of uh, in the background throughout the entire like monologue of unicron in the second to last episode and um you know that would have been something that would have been easy to replicate in a dub and i'm just like yeah that's just a shame that it didn't happen um but yeah, you know, when I, I watched it, I watched it much more sporadically. I was very invested in it, but I watched it when I could watch Tsunami, which wasn't always. It was most most weekends, but not always. And, um, you know, it was interesting seeing it much more cohesively. Of course, the thing that stuck out the most to me when I watched it when I was 10... 12, 10 to 12 ish. Um, 12. I was 12. Uh, the thing that stuck out the most to me when I was 12 was that uh, the relationship between Alexa and Starscream 
And I think <laughs> uh, really, really clearly rearranged something in my brain space <laughs> um, <laughs> to turn me into the human adult that I am now. Some real uh, primeval go, memories. We're gonna go further into that DNA rearrangement in our next season, because mm-hmm. that's the thing that really changed me into a deviant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this oh. just this just like put the idea in my head that maybe if I try hard enough, I could date a robot. <laughs> what we're doing next is what made me say I'm going to date a robot. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> well, we'll, have, we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Yeah, uh, we after sure the will. Questions. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was like interesting to see this more cohesively, um, and sort of see the the buildup of it. And I must have watched because I remember other shit as well. So I must have caught like. Cybertron and Energon as well, at least bits and pieces of them. Yeah, I mean, we will get there eventually. I do, I do want to do Cybertron a lot because I, I genuinely think that is probably out of the three shows the best one yeah. in both, uh, in in both languages. Yeah. To do that, we will have to <laughs> experience. Yeah. The, well, perhaps the worst uh show ever ever put to Transformers television, but you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll burn that bridge when we get there. The worst Transformers show that isn't fun at least. Exactly. I genuinely I, I genuinely think G1 is better than Energon. Energon is just we'll get I can't we we can't start talking about Energon or else we'll be here all fucking night. <laughs> um so that's uh sort of my feelings on it um yeah we have feelings and questions from other people in the discord too now that we've wrapped it up so why don't we hit those hell yeah all right so first up from casarachnia what do you think of the changing bodies requires a changed name thing our names and thus identity itself so heavily anchored to the physical does changing the body necessitate changing the nomenclature so there are two answers for this the uh physical plastic answer is they wanted to reuse another name for trademark reasons and also sell another toy of the same character in a new body which is why hoist exists however but they could have done that without changing his name and they do that in energon there is yeah. a character who gets a new a new body and even a re- is renamed in the toy line, but in the show is never renamed, and that uh, might I was be about just to say, a, like we know that Starscream. And no, different. There's a yeah. here's the thing about uh, Energon. A lot of people change bodies a lot. Um, Yahoo. And only, but show only some of, of them change their gender. Names. See, so here here's here's an example from Energon, right? Basically, all of the Armada Decepticons eventually get reformatted into new bodies. Demolisher keeps his name. Cyclonus becomes Snowcat. Tidal Wave. He, he gets turned into a snowmobile. Don't worry about it. He's, he he uh, becomes addicted to yodeling. Once again, don't worry about it. No, Ti- not yodeling. Tidal Wave becomes Mirage. I don't know that why Demolisher insulting. is the only one 
who keeps his name, but it's a bizarre thing. I think it, it's weird, right? Because Smokescreen gets perforated and reformatted into a new body and decides to start going by a new name, although it really feels like Armada forgot that his toy had another name for a while because they just kept calling him Smokescreen until suddenly they were calling him Hoist. Um, which I also feel is what happens to Inferno in Energon, where they just straight up forget that his toy has another name. Um, but the, like, when they get all Minicon powered up after the Nemesis Prime fight, they don't change names. So, unless it is a drastic physical change, the nomenclature does not change. Hmm. Which is weird. But, like, again, like, that's their choice, though. It's not necessary. Exactly. Because Grap is still Grap throughout the entirety of Micron Legend, right? He never actually changes his name. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Okay, so, like, because... And I don't know if, uh... Yeah, I don't don't know if in Superlink, the Japanese version of Energon, those characters change their names, you know... So, uh, I, it's it's a, it's a fascinating question that I don't I don't think Armada has the tools we can use to answer. There's other there's definitely other Transformers media that gives you the tools to answer that. Armada's not it. Um, I just got I just thought about the true body stuff and I got mad again. Marade Scott, I just want to talk. So we're gonna move on to Cass's <laughs> next question. The Minicons, despite being subsets of Unicron, have consciousness and aspirations of their own. They are at once connected through origin and disconnected through creed. Tell me, Will, have you ever felt disconnected from a group that you were a part of? I've never actually watched Hannibal. I don't know if that was a good Mads. Um, no, I could understand you. The key to Mads Mikkelsen in uh, Hannibal is that he's incomprehensible. Because the man did not know how to speak English, actually. Uh, he straight up lied about being fluent in English to get the role. I fucking love Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, what a king. Uh-huh. I remember when his children bullied him into being in a Rihanna music video. It's beautiful. Also, yes, I felt very disconnected from groups that I've been a part of. Oh, yeah. I have, I have RSD. Like... Yeah, you know, it's interesting because the Minicons... Yeah, they, they do have dreams and aspirations, but that's kind of because of the humans. Because they, like, at the moment of birth, basically make contact with something with a soul. If the humans hadn't been there in the distant past to, like, give the Minicons that spark of life, they truly would have just been an extension of Unicron's will, just like Sideways is. Where they are even less than that, because at least Sideways has his own voice. The minicons would have just been tools. Yeah, unclear. Yeah. Unclear if they would have would have gained any sentience whatsoever, but it seems unlikely. Yeah, they even managed to talk in the Queen's English. And and Cass finishes off with, "Also, this season sure did a lot of different stuff, huh?" Yep. Yep we 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 talked about it. We went a lot of we went a lot of places. We went to Big Canyon. <laughs> we went to the How Arctic. Iconic Big Canyon. Starscream burned a forest down. <laughs> Starscream I mean, got ones. gaslit in the middle of Silent Hill Fog by Megatron. Starscream yes. got abandoned in the middle of Silent Hill Fog by Megatron. 
thrust popped like a zit. So much happened. He is a zit. So, Casey Cosmotector is here to say, Hello, I am working as an ambassador for the Thrust Memorial Awards for doing a bad job. And seeing as you are now Armada experts, I'd like to ask you what are your nominations for a few categories? And the, the categories are, and I'm going to open my, my little envelope here that has a little chibi thrust head on it. Worst animation, worst Autobot plan, worst Decepticon plan, dumbest episode plot, and most wild child endangerment. Thank you for your time and have a wonderful next season. <laughs> Thanks, Casey. Um, okay. Uh, what the f- <laughs> What was that fucking episode where they where Blur and Hotshot became JPEGs? Because <laughs> it's that one for okay, animation. So I was thinking about that one, but the better one for me it's it's a similar concept. You're gonna you're you're gonna know what I'm going for, but is the one where um, it's the first time that uh, Shockwave shows up and Megatron puts him on. And it's dragging the acid over the background, but wobbly. Like they shake the acid to show how oh, powerful right. Shockwave is. That yeah. to me is the worst animation. I mean, it was so bad that at least it was hilarious. I laughed so hard watching that. But yeah. like that it was that was pretty that was pretty objectable. Objectionable. <laughs> I would also like to nominate the first uh, Jet Optimus episode where they really struggled to depict what flying looks like. I mean, most again, like most of the flying, not great. No, but I, I think yeah, it's like was the J, was was the Hotshot JPEG was that also a tidal wave episode or was that a, I think that was a different one. No, it was like wasn't it was it like, like some the highway one. Wasn't oh, I... were like Jim and uh No, I think it was different. I think it was like I remember them being in a desert. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's the one where um Sandstorm just fucks around with uh Ironhide who's buried in the sand. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, he can cuz he's an asshole. So that one Shockwave's wobbling powers and the general concept of animating flight. <laughs> For worst animation. Uh, worst Autobot plan. Oh, boy. Worst Autobot plan was... Um, I, mean, I mean, they're it so reactive. It wasn't really a plan, but uh, that time that Double Face and uh, Hot Rod got teleported, it was, that was actually kind of a Decepticon yeah. plan. But yeah, I was about to say, that one was bad on purpose. Yeah. See, the problem is that, like, they were so reactive a lot of the time that they didn't really get a chance to plan anything uh i guess i can give the the sort of joint it was a joint plan but i think it was mostly optimus's idea where as soon as they formed the like the cybertronian united armada their big plan against unicron was to shoot him with their ships and they were really concerned when that didn't work. Yeah. He's the he's the cyber devil. I don't I don't think you're going to kill him by shooting him with ships. Otherwise, he wouldn't be that big of a problem. Now, worst Decepticon plan, that's far juicier. Um god, there's so many Gaslighting your second in command. Yeah, that one was pretty bad. 
I mean, I guess it got results technically, but boy, was it weird and stupid. Like, Thrust started out okay, I feel. I think his first few... I mean, his first plan was, like, a big guy will show up and be scary. Um... I mean, to be fair, it's a good plan. It is a good plan. I can't. He, I actually can't put that one past him. That one's a good plan. Yeah, like gaslighting Starscream is definitely one of the big ones, though. Like, what the fuck was even going on there? And like, but like, I can't say that building the hydro cannon was a bad plan. Nope, that was also fine. I mean, it was sort of playing into the hands of Unicron, but you know, beggars can't be choosers. Uh. Worst But to be episode... fair, he had no way to know that. Like, that was one no. of the ones where he had no way to know that. Yeah. Uh, dumbest episode plot. Uh, I, I would like to nominate that time that the kids brought the space team to a cabin in the middle of nowhere and then home alone with Thrust for a little bit. That was pretty bad. Um, I would also argue that, like, taking them shopping... Oh, man. I mean, that wasn't really a plot, though. That was just a bit in one episode. Yeah, but there's, like... Oh, no, you're right. It was the same episode I was thinking of when they went to the to the cabin. Yeah. Never mind. It's that episode. I was yeah, thinking of the... Is... Yep. Nope, it's that episode. Just kidding. When when that lady offers... Yep, uh, that's exactly I think the moment I was thinking of. Uh-huh. It's payload. She offers him a cookie and says, Wow, you have a weird accent. When he goes, boop, 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 boop. Yep, no, the that's, same country. that's it. <laughs> That's the one. He's from the same place that Beaker from the Muppets is from. Um, Most wild child endangerment. I mean, the entire, like, last third of the series. Yeah, but do you remember in episode, like, four, when Hotshot yeeted Carlos into a canyon? Like like an ice canyon? So he could fight Starscream? Yeah. I think he knew someone was there to catch them, but that's crazy. I mean, I guess, like, Wheelie did kind of, like, Bumble did kind of hold all of them hostage. It just in terms of they're like, we're not taking off until you let these kids come with us. So their hands were kind of held there. There, yeah, there's a time that, I mean, it doesn't really count because it was a malicious plan. But there was that time that Billy and Fred were held hostage by the Decepticons. Like, that's different. I feel like... I, I really feel like they shouldn't have bring, been bringing those kids on so many missions early on. Yeah, the other ones, just in general, bringing them to a burning forest. Oh, like, okay, to be fair, it wasn't burning when they got there. Okay, but why are they going with the kids to the Decepticons? <laughs> to fight the Decepticons? Why are they doing this? They know it's going to break bad. Come on. They know that forest is going to be on fire soon. 1-800-COME-ON-NOW. There's that time they all fell into a bunch of ancient desert ruins oh, filled shit. with evil yeah, traps. Was... Oh, no! The fucking Atlantis episode. Are you joking? Oh, yeah, my let's God. Take, yeah, let's take the kids to, like, a mythical place at the bottom of the fucking ocean. Are you stupid? Oh, uh, what? hey, what protections are you going to do? Oh, we're going to put sealant on our windows. What the fuck are you talking <laughs> about? They didn't even have diving suits. They didn't even have helmets. They just had their fucking jumpsuits. They almost drowned! They were, like, three seconds away from drowning. <laughs> Yeah, the first, like, third of Armada is just these children constantly nearly that dying. That was the and fr- worst one. That was the worst one. Yes, it, that's the worst one. You know what? Frankly, all of those seem way more dangerous than literally going to the heart of Unicron somehow. Like, I don't know why. I don't know how that is. It just seems crazy that they brought them to the bottom of the I just, ocean. I don't 
necessarily think that it's more dangerous, but it's more meaningless. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah, like, there's no reason for it. Like, I think they're equally likely to die, probably. But again, like, at least with bringing them to space, like, Bumble was holding them hostage, essentially. Holding them ransom, rather. Yeah. And, like, you know, as Ratchet recogni- recognized, there's a reason that <laughs> Bumble was doing that. Yeah. Which was that they need to become their own grandpas. Um, so... You know, there was, while it was obviously a huge reckless endangerment, um, it was at least meaningful endangerment. Yeah, that's true. There was and they nothing also... meaningful about bringing them to Atlantis. No, no they, they were just at the bottom of the ocean and nearly drowned, and also a city nearly fell on them. And also, Carlos got his heart broken. By <laughs> dead girl's hologram. By dead girl's hologram. Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, that's that that that's the one. That's the one. Uh, so yeah, uh, thank you for uh, thank you everyone for attending the Thrust Memorial Awards for doing a bad job. Uh, we look forward to the. I think I think this should be a running segment for each of our seasons. Yeah, because there's to a lot of a, we have to choose a different person to memorialize. Yes. it's like it'll <laughs> be like the in memory of section of the Oscars. A different fuck up to in memorialize. Memoriam. Yeah. Uh. So, uh, next from Horn My Starscream, what is the best overall change the English dub put in, and what was the worst? Oh. I mean, I'm trying to think of, Let's like, straight up changes. Let's yeah, do purposeful ones. Yeah, straight up changes. Ones. Yeah, no, 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 none of the errors. Like, straight up changes that they put in. Because a lot of the, a lot of the, a lot of the changes kind of made things a little bit worse like i think a lot of a lot of you know as goes with a lot of these dubs around this time the stakes the emotional stakes and the dramatic stakes right are lowered uh in trade of like a quip or something um i mean can i just say like thrusts dub voice i i truly think that it is inspired i think it was a really good uh, i think it was a really oh um I'll also the you are a freak line. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. No, I think that that's good because like I think thrust voice is probably pretty similar in the Japanese. Yeah, but like I feel like I feel like they really hit on something really funny with thrust's English performance, and like he didn't really ever have because everyone else had really awkward line deliveries from time to time. Um, but thrusts never did because he was always in scenery chewing mode basically no matter what um so it it felt fine right and also yeah you are a freak i like that one i like that being your choice because that is that is also the one choice that like i objectively thought was better it's so funny worst edition i feel like they kind of fucked up starscream's arc and like, they didn't entirely fuck it up. Like, it's not like it's not there. But I feel like it's way more compelling in the original. 
I don't know if that counts because that's just kind of it, it is a purposeful change, though. No, I agree. I think I think the change to have it be like much more focused on revenge in the dub as opposed to like at the very end, as much as, you know, Starscream goes on and on being like, I have to kill Megatron and I have to, you know, get revenge for the way he treated me in the sub at the very end, realizing that literally everything he did was just for approval. Um, Yeah was more meaningful and that and that he actually got that approval and recognition at the end of it that his final sacrifice fulfilled that wish and it's still technically there it's just that a lot of the the good quieter moments are sort of steered back towards the inner thoughts of wanting to get his hands on megatron like that uh the scene where he's looking out across that that field of flowers on earth when he's with the Autobots, right? Where yeah, I he mean, has the inner monologue about like this planet actually does have some beauty. In the dub, he's just like thinking about Megatron again. Right, exactly. I think there is a depth, there's a sensitivity to Starscream in the sub that gets lost in translation. Yeah, so that's that's my choice for worse. I mean, there's I could go with like a dumb fucking dub line. Like I I could go for all of the stupid like computer puns that hotshot does when he's fighting like he screams at megatron time for a system crash but like whatever that's just how it was back in the day but i think the starscream thing is a a thing i can't look at and say ah it's just that's just 2002 anime i think i think they could have done better they could have done right by that arc in a better way um finally from honest prime boring one but what is the strongest moment in Armada, in your opinion? It can be emotionally, animation-wise, or just funny, haha. The final fight between um, yeah. Megatron and Starscream, and Starscream's subsequent death. I would say the final fight between Megatron and Optimus, but I think the combination of the actual animation of the fight between it and Starscream, which the fight between Megatron and Optimus also has at great lengths, um followed by the emotional impact of the end of it uh makes it a better overall moment for me yeah i feel like the 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 starscream one is like the armada moment right like that is that is the thing everyone thinks of yeah when they think of transformers armada um and like yeah i would say the animation in the megatron optimus fight is a little bit better because they just went fucking crazy on it and it's much longer but the uh, the actual like it's a cool sword fight and then the speech at the end and like and and starscream's death also looks fucking cool as shit as well they also really put the uh yeah. put the animation budget in there exactly so like for me starscream's death has the same level of animation as the megatron and optimus fight does although the megatron and optimus fight is much longer so mm. you get more of that but it also has like the emotional impact um so that's i it. i really just love the shot uh of the the like keepsake necklace breaking in alexis's hands and then she runs to the window and sees his null ray blasts not even touch unicron yeah Ooh, and it's, it's good. and it, that is also i think a, a moment that is much more effective in the sub yeah. without any dialogue whatsoever just silence you can see them you know again mouse moving and you can see her crying hysterically but just the yeah, silence of it is very very powerful uh, best funny haha is once again you are a freak. a freak. And anytime they say squid head, I love it when they call it squid head. 
And his death. His death is also very funny. And also, like, every other sentence out of Sandstorm's mouth, actually. Yeah, he's he's he was really... He's also really... I thought he would be annoying yeah. in the dub. He's... He's honestly pretty funny in the dub. Like he is one once again another performance who's just like always on, and like his 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 just like sort of unhinged quips really work uh, for him. I will say one of the lines that has stayed with me throughout this entire watch is him chasing the kids in the forest and going eat tarashai. Yep. <laughs> uh, like saying hello to customers in a maid cafe. Um. I I have always very much liked morale. We've never had morale around here. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Cyclonus. <laughs> you complete fucking sicko. Yeah, that is the end of our, our sort of wrap-up questions for Armada, but that doesn't mean the episode's over yet. No, no. Because we are going to talk about the the next show. We're going to go ahead and get the preamble for the next season out of the way, which is, of course, season one of let me say 20... it's my choice it's my choice it's audrey's choice i get season to say one of, it oh is you season, say it go say it it is season one of 2010's transformers yeah. prime the this is this is a big one i feel like it's not my favorite show but it is the show i always think of when i think that's a transformers ass transformers show yeah this that, is a, this is for me sort of quintessential and this is for me i think like a culmination of what hasbro had been building up to Mm. with their brand basically since they created it so it goes back to sort of those some like core g1 concepts the designs um outside of starscream actually um also like harken back a lot more to um, those G1 designs influenced by the Bayverse designs. And animated. And there's, the, I would say there is a fair bit of like the extreme exaggeration of animated in there. Toned down a little. But like, there's the a lot actual, of DNA in Prime. In, in the actual animation, absolutely. I'm just talking about like still images of character designs. Right. So let's jump all the way back to like 2010. Yeah. So, uh, and then the last thing I was going to say is that, and redoing their 3D yep. experiment. Yes. This is the first 3D animated Transformer. Well, except for I can't say that. Beast it is Prime. the first full CG animated since Beast Machines, because Energon and Cybertron both heavily utilized CG, but they also utilized a lot of, uh, it was CG combined with, with 2D animation. Prime is pure CG. So we're, we're, we're in 2010 and Transformers is fucking huge. The, the 2007 live action movie just jammed like 15 adrenaline needles into the heart of the franchise. And it fucking exploded. It's now a household name once again, after being this, like, you know, it's around, it's always around, but it's never something that people are thinking about. Now it is. Everyone is thinking about Transformers again. And not only is everyone thinking about it, it's cool. It's not like it's not like underground nerd shit. Yes. It's it is a summer blockbuster on par with the Marvel movies these days. So it is after Revenge of the Fallen, the second 
a live action movie, which was very successful, made a lot of money, and that's all we'll say on the matter for now. <laughs> um, and Hasbro was looking to once again bring Transformers back to television because animated did very well, but it was very non-traditional. It was a very odd Transformers show, and I love it for that. But yeah. they wanted to go sort of change directions and go back to basics. So they got two of the uh, the writers for the, the live-action series, uh, Robert Orsi and Alex Kurtzman. Um, and they said, and they were put in charge of executive producing Transformers Prime, the the next foray into television. This was a big one. They, this is Peter Cullen's return to the role of Optimus on television. He's of course Optimus in the movies, but this is his. This is like a regular TV role and for Frank him. And Frank Welker's is, return, yes, to Megatron as uh, is for the first time since in, in TV since G one. Yes, he was. Yeah, because he's in uh, he's in the fourth and fifth movies, but he up until that point he was not Megatron for a very long time. Um, so we're bringing we're, we are he's bringing too busy back being Fred and Scooby Doo. He's always Fred. I don't know what they're gonna do after he's gone. I don't. I mean, I guess I don't. I guess you can. I guess anyone could be Fred, but honestly, I don't know if I want that. I feel like they're uh, Peter Cullen and Frank Welker have the same sort of like IMDb where Frank Cullen, uh, sorry, uh, Peter Cullen's just like uh, Optimus Prime, Optimus Prime, Eeyore, <laughs> Eeyore. Yeah. And uh, Frank Welker's Megatron, Megatron, Fred, Megatron, Fred, Fred. And in, in addition, Frank Welker is also every animal. He was one of those guys. Yeah. Like for a period of animation, you hear an animal on a, on a cartoon it's probably Frank Welker. And he's just His like, His yeah. range is nuts. Insane. Uh, he's a fantastic voice actor. So we're bringing the two classic actors back to these roles. So that is immediately signaling we're going back to something here. And then they're like, okay, we have to round out the voice cast. Let's get literally the best voice actors in the industry <laughs> to, yes. to, to round out the rest of our cast. Chris Lauder, Lada, rest in peace. He can no longer reprise Starscream. So let's get Steve Bloom, literally, possibly the most famous English male voice actor ever. I mean, we don't need to tell you who Steve Bloom is. He is fucking iconic. He's been, you know, around forever. Spike Spiegel, Wolverine, all sorts of stuff. So he, he, they put him in the role of Starscream. And... You know, it doesn't stop there. We have, you know, character actor extraordinaire Jeffrey Combs uh, as Ratchet. We have, uh, like... Josh Keaton? Yeah, Josh Keaton, young Ocelot himself, voicing our, our sort of main human boy. Yeah. We've got, like, Darren Norris, a.k.a. Timmy's dad. We've got, you know, David Sovolov, Adam Baldwin, Tony Todd. Like, there's just so many big voice acting uh, of We course, need to talk about Darren Norris as Knockout, uh, Timmy yeah. Turner's dad. Playing boy. Knockout. Um, Knockout, he is he is something. That character is, is quite something. And of course... Nolan North gotta get in there. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but he also, was between. You know, this was 2010, so he was he had a, a lot going on there. But uh, oh yeah, you know he in He's between in between a million other different things that he was doing. Uh, he time to be smokescreen. God bless. Yeah, you also got Kevin Michael Richardson. You got David Kay in in some minor roles. Tony John DiMaggio in a minor role. Uh, Torres. Sumali Montano as as RC and that's another thing RC a character who has basically been non-existent since the end of G1 um she's in the animated for a little bit but in a very non-centralized role this she's basically the protagonist of this show sort of like there's three protagonists but i feel like a lot of the big yeah. heavy dramatic storylines follow either her or bulkhead and they're human partners um well or so, bumblebee yeah so but, you Bumble- know, bu- i mean this bumblebee this is all coming bumblebee is very much inspired by the bayverse movies oh yes this is very like, very much bayverse and bumblebee so um, yeah so to talk about a little bit about the beginning of animated animated was originally going to have a like for instance animated's cast was changed at the very last minute sorry i'm just thinking um, about Candyman playing dreadwing again it's so good so animated's voice cast or animated's cast was changed at the last minute because they were gonna have characters like hotshot and red alert on there characters who had more recently been on television um as soon as the live action movie hit hasbro said no 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 no, put bumblebee in there and put ratchet in there because those are the names the kids know from the movie so they did that um but once again animated sort of takes a lot of departures from most Transformers media. Prime, on the other hand, really went in on the cute, marketable underdog aspect of Bayverse Bubblebee. He doesn't talk in radio clips, but he does talk in R2-D2 beeps. Um, and he is very adorable. Yeah. So... I mean, I they were pulling, should... again, I think Prime, more than any other series, Prime has pulled from every other thing that yes. came before it, uh, more than any other piece of media, I think, in the entire franchise. And that is because, so when and you talk about sort of the, thinking about, let's talk about sort of the, the, the mission behind Prime, because I remember them talking a lot about this when yeah. Transformers Prime was first starting up. So, after Animated... They, Hasbro sat down, and they were like, this franchise is a fucking mess. There are like 17 different continuities with a billion different aesthetics, and we can't keep any of them straight. However, it is making us boatloads of money. Thank you, Michael Bay. Yeah, it is making a, we can no longer ignore this. We could ignore it when it was like the number two or three on our like four or five on our on our franchise list like yeah it's doing all right whatever transformers will do whatever now it's our thing so we need to sort this shit out let's align it and so they created something called the aligned continuity yes and it was it was kind of confusing at first because it sounded almost like they were trying to consolidate everything into one continuity. That's not necessarily true, but what the Aligned Continuity's mission was, was to like, create a singular new timeline that everything going forward in the next few years would follow. And this had a few things that were a part of it. 
It had uh, the the novel Transformers Exodus. It had the War for Cybertron game. And which, Cybertron. Yes, which is a direct predecessor to uh, Prime, despite the fact that they are so drastically different in terms of aesthetic. Um, which is interesting because, like, they're, they're so they had. I wanted to talk about the binder of revelation for a minute because it's a very funny thing to call your lore bible. Yep. But they did call it the binder of revelation. It was a fucking massive production folder, three hundred and fifty-four page production bible that was there. That there was their guiding light for this new continuity. Um, and this is also when they decided, okay, Unicron and Primus has been like the focus in terms of Transformer origin for so long. Then there's also the AllSpark from the Bay movies and uh, animated. They decided we're going to do something else. We want to create a new creation mythos. So this is where they begin to flesh out the 13 primes, the 13 original Transformers created from Primus in the sort of creation myth, uh, which they published in a, in a huge, big lore book called The Covenant of Primus, which I do want to buy one day because, man, those animations are great. Um, yeah. There are also two other, other novels though. during this time as well. Yes, there's uh, Exiles and Retribution. Yes, which uh, brings the Quintessons into the Align continuity, I believe. So, and, and a lot of these concepts would also make it into the current IDW comics, um, which started like way back in 2005 before any of this was really getting started. But they kind of shifted into this, like, we're talking about the 13 Primes. We're talking about all this other stuff, which is interesting. And so yeah. even the stuff that was not a part of this aligned continuity was trying to, like, get in line with the rest of things, right? Because it, they didn't want to deal with all this different lore and all these different shows. They wanted a streamlined franchise that they could just slot whatever the fuck they wanted into. And it worked really well because in, in many ways... So, you know, they, again, they made up lore for this. They started going into, like, creation myth. Um, and it's like, what actually is this? This is, And this is one of the reasons that Prime was so interesting to me, because it actually, it, ha it had such a depth of lore to it. Um, <coughs> and, you know, moments that I could really sink my teeth into as a, as a viewer. And I was watching it when I was 20. So, you know, it was, it was story driven enough narratively driven enough for it to actually capture the um attention of college students now a limited number again you still have to be into that nerd shit but it wasn't it, it was it was targeting children but it had enough content in it to build be compelling for adults um and they created all this new lore but they also breathed a lot of life back into characters that again had sort of been revived by the Bayverse movies in many cases. Um, but you know, we're back in ways that were like very recognizable to who their original G1 characters were in ways that Armada, for example, was not. Um, 
And that animated was to an extent, but also, you know, different, um, but still not the exact same, still not carbon copies. You know, you would Soundwave, for example, I think is like the perfect example of this, who like his G1 counterpart and like the Bayverse movies and like TFA is the spy master. Um, But in Prime, he's completely nonverbal. And it's, you know... There's a question of his sentience, even, but it's clear that he's sentient. Um, but he's just—he's just a weirdo. He's just a weirdo, and he has Soundwave's dark blue coloring, and he has laser beak as a cassette con. Um, so there's all these parts of him that are familiar, but his like design—he's like a slender man ass looking motherfucker. Um, so there are parts of him that are just like, oh, yeah, that's Soundwave. Oh, God, what did you do to Soundwave? <laughs> um. Oh, and also he has no face. That's important. And not just like a faceplate. No, he doesn't have one. It's yeah. just like a screen. It's a visor. Yeah, so he has a blank visor. He puts emojis on it, which is fun. What a, what a great guy. So, yeah, the, the Binder Revelation was meant to be the, the, the guiding light for the franchise moving forward. And then it wasn't. And then they made... Rid 2015. Oops. But Oops. until then, Prime was great. <laughs> yes. Um, and it gave us, and the aligned continuity gave us a lot of other really good things. Yeah, Most importantly, like, the games. I, I tend to think of this era as like, this is where a lot of the best shit is from. Like 2010 to like 2014, 2015. That's where you get Prime, more for Cybertron, the novels, more than meets the eye. Like, all of this stuff was around the same, it was, like, you know, contemporaneous yeah. to the same time the, period. Yeah, was IDW all, like, was popping shit. off. Phase 2 was starting. Um, and then, yeah, but then, you know, they decided they wanted to move in a different direction. They made RID 2015, which was a, it's basically the opposite of Prime in every way. All the characters are very sort of cut and paste in terms of visual design. It's extremely colorful, low stakes, very cartoony. Um, I feel like Cyberverse is the synthesis between the two a little bit. Yeah, I mean, more importantly, Cyberverse was the first time since Prime that, like, uh, a TV show was, like, quite successful. Yeah. Yeah. Rid... There was... After Prime finished, RID came, and after RID, there was sort of a desert of content. Yeah. Um, like, there was the movies a couple, of, I guess, but like, I mean, there Bumblebee wasn't anything came else. out in 2018, yeah. which was three years after RID. Yeah, and, and then there was also, like, Rescue Bots and Rescue Bots Kennedy. That's, like, a different branch <sighs> of the brand. Is like, yeah, Rescue Bots, like, almost doesn't count. Yeah, it's like, that. that that's the, them, them's the baby shows. Those can just do whatever they want. Yeah. But Cyberverse was a return to like, okay, we're going to actually do some storytelling and make some decent fucking toys. There were the Grim Dark Netflix Rooster Teeth ones. And the Mac Machina ones. We don't talk. Those, woo. But like the Machina ones I don't really count because those weren't on TV. Like the Netflix ones I do unfortunately count. We will have to get to. Yeah, Uh, yeah, but Netflix is TV. It's what, what if you turned... Livio Remindelli's dark ass, almost unreadable, <laughs> like art 
into a show. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, those, but, like, they were not good, and they weren't successful. And then they finally got, like, into the groove with Cyberverse. And Cyberverse was the first time since Prime, really, that they had a, a successful show. But that just shows how good Prime was, because they were completely unable to follow it up. Um, yeah, no. With anything. Prime Prime to me is like the quintessential, because they were doing all this stuff, because they were trying to align their universe, because they were trying to develop lore, because they were trying to go back to their roots while also thinking about the future. Prime is, to me, the quintessential Transformer show. Yeah, I, I would certainly feel that way as well. Like, animated will always be my favorite, but Prime is like always the one that I say, hey, Do you want to watch some Transformers? you want to get into some Transformers? Go watch Prime. If you want to understand what Transformers looks like as a franchise today, if you want to look and see what it originally looked like, watch G1. Fuck it. Whatever. But if you want to understand what Transformers looks like as a franchise today, Prime is where you should start. Yeah. It it was another era. You know, we, we ended the Unicron trilogy with Cybertron. The, the live action movies popped off. Animated was this like wonderful experiment in the middle of them. But Prime is where they really got running. They really got going. And I I think it really, you know, I'm really looking forward to revisiting it. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about the visuals because I think they are one of the more interesting parts of the show. Yeah, they're, I really like them. So, as I, you know, like I said, well, a yeah, lot of no, the visual I really design... like them, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> so, a lot of the visual design, um, yes, it takes a lot from the Bayverse. There's a lot of, like, moving parts and exposed pipes and whatnot on a lot of these designs. But it also had, like, you look at Starscream, for instance, right? Now, Bayverse Starscream is basically, what if a Dorito had, had a terrible babies. accident What if a Dorito right? got pregnant? What if a Dorito got pregnant? And that's what Starscream is. And I I I hate a lot of the Bavers designs. Starscream Starscream Megprec real. It's he there are there are a lot of eggs in Revenge of the Fall, I yeah. will say that. And Starscream um, raises them watched all. Watched over them. Single mother yeah, Starscream like, raises them all. But like a lot of you know, at this time especially the Bavers designs were such a fucking nightmare. They were a huge cluster. Eventually they kind of cleaned them up a little bit made them more readable for the fourth and fifth movies yeah i will say but, there is one like very sexy bavers uh design in my opinion and it's shockwave yes bavers shockwave I, looks fucking phenomenal he looks great i you know it, it, it would be cool if they put him in the movie but they kind of forgot to do that Oops. um so they, there's a lot of that in, in in kind of the surface and the textures for these uh designs but like I said, with with animated, the proportions for a lot of these characters are very exaggerated, just in the design. Like, look at we talk about Soundwave; his arms are so long, and he is so spindly. He is this like, if you look at him from an angle, he's flat, but like you look at him head on, it's just this very sharp, very angular character. Starscream, it's very similar thing. Huge, long, you know, very long arms. Very thin torso. What's, what's right. really interesting about it to me is that they they still stick to the same thing that like Armada generated and was pushed further by TFA um, of 
don't overcomplicate what they turn into, right? They turn yes. into cars, they turn into motorcycles, they turn into jets. But they did it in such a way, they're like, okay, we know what they turn into and it's not going to be that complicated. But how can we have fun changing their root mode to fit that? So that's what yeah. they did with these designs. They were like, all right, like, what if, what if Starscream was just a beanstalk? this time with big wings and he turns into a jet fighter because of it. And Soundwave turns into a air vehicle. He turns, he's a, he's a UAV. Yeah. Actually. He turns into a UAV. Um, but they're like, what if his arms were his body? Yeah. He's just, what if he just had like arms that went down to his knees and they just click and... together and that's the UAV. So, you know, it's, Fun, you know, RC who turns into a motorcycle, her, um... Her... Now, I will say about Transformers Prime RC, that is one of the more egregious examples of mass shifting, because we, we we see her in, ro- in bike mode, and we see her in robot mode, and she is standing next to Jack she's, both times. She's big. And she gains roughly she's five like three times size. her yeah. height. Yeah. yeah, she's like three size the time but that's fine because like you know and uh, there's her legs especially you can see a lot of the tires yeah so her tires are her heels which is really nice um the tires are also heels on knockout there's a lot of designs like that where their their vehicle forms are are implemented in there into the design in ways that are not just like there's plain bits hanging off of them which there are a little bit but like Starscream's cockpit is kind of implemented into his torso and not just like slapped on top of it. Um, and to me, Optimus for also you know sorry about but Optimus his chest very resembles Bayverse Optimus and the way his windows are. Um, and in general, his his design is very Bayverse. He's got he's he's got the same general shape, but uh, you know he's got a very slim waist. He's got these long these like big calves. That his uh, animated counterpart has as well. Now, the one thing I will say that I'm not a huge fan of um, in terms of the face. The face is on a lot of on some. Oh, I was going to say the opposite. Prime. They're very flat, and Optimus's face in particular, it's smooth. It's very smooth. I was going to say the opposite. That's actually one of my favorite parts. Um, what I really love about it is how expressive it allows them to be. Yes. Um, and for Optimus in, in particular, this is like one of the most dad Optimuses you get. He's, he's just, extremely dad. He's he's just a really good guy. I want yeah. Prime Optimus to like tuck me into bed. Um, it is a it is a direct like opposite to the unhinged, bloodthirsty like war criminal of the Bayverse. Yes, where he's just chopping heads off left and right. And and just you know constantly covered in the blood of his enemies. This Optimus, he is very much the like stoic but warm father figure who is deeply conflicted about the war, but knows he he must stop Megatron. And let's start because well, him. well well wait wait and because of that because of that he, this is the Optimus that more than I think any other Optimus, except maybe animated, but even maybe animated. Um, has his face mask down. Yes. Unless he's actively fighting, 
His face mask is off and he's very open and very expressive. I love their faces in it. I love how expressive they are. And I love how I, varied the faces are. I just miss animated Optimus's luscious lips. Is that too much to ask for? Go read an Overlord comic. I will. I'll want I'll I I'll read about him <laughs> stepping on pipes like a fucking cockroach. Um But yeah, like my minor cripples with the faces aside, I think the visual design in the show is very strong. I think the writing is like probably the the best on on television. Yeah, like, I think it's hard with to very argue few that. Eagles. Um and I also you know, I wanna also want to talk about Megatron for a little bit, because we'll 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 talk about him a bit more once we actually start the the first season, but I love this version of Megatron. So it's Frank Welker, who of course did G1 Megatron, and I will say I find G1 Megatron in the cartoon challenging to listen to. Um, he is very scratchy, he is very high-pitched, very screechy. And for this, it, it's interesting because he still has a lot of the like same gravel of G1 Megatron, but it has gone from a screech to a growl. And this vocal performance is a very good Megatron. He's, he's got a lot of menace, but he can do a lot of the, the classic Megatron lines you want. Um, and it allows, it allows Frank Welker to like act to voice act instead of scream, uh, which is, which is ideal for him. And I also, I love that they turned him into a shark. Transformers yeah. prime Megatron, is very he is he is very G one esque in terms of his silhouette, uh, but also the first movie he's got the same general chest shape he's as sexy. as Megatron had in the first movie, and he's also got shark teeth and claws and a drug addiction. And a, he's he's addicted to devil drugs. We'll get there. Um, but the, de- also the drug addiction big. does make him sexy. I'm not gonna lie. Yes. Turns him purple and evil. Um, and, you know, actually, you know, I was thinking, you know, obviously animated thing. It's the chins. Everyone talks about the chins. They're huge. For Prime, it's the eyebrows. Everyone's got big old eyebrows in Transformers Prime. Yeah. That is the, like... And I think that that attributes to how expressive they are. Um, is these, these eyebrows allow them to really show a lot of emotion. Even for characters with, like, kind of different faces, like Bulkhead. Uh, so yeah, that, like, Prime is, fittingly enough, kind of the Prime Transformers show in a lot of ways. Um, it it is it is the franchise firing on all cylinders in basically every way, which is exceedingly rare. It rips uh, for the most part. So we will we will be starting that. Uh, I think we might take a week off just to get everything ready for that. Because the other thing is, now that we're done with Armada, uh, we're welcoming guests into the fold if they would like to come on and talk about Transformers Prime. Yeah, I think next week we should stream stream the first movie. Yes, next week I will be streaming uh, the the eighty six classic, the Transformers the movie, um, the the film that emotionally devastated an entire nation of children. Because the dudes at Hasbro didn't think they were emotionally attached to Optimus Prime, for some reason. The dudes um, at Hasbro held nothing but contempt for that court. And they 
They did pay for it. They basically received letters for the rest of Generation 1's lifespan uh, as a cartoon complaining about that. Because yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a crazy movie. So many people die. It's w- really well animated. It's a blast. So show up next week. I'll get the scheduling done with all that. But yeah, Prime Cut server streaming uh, the, the movie next week, uh, and then after that, by which we mean probably be... tomorrow. By the time you're hearing this, yeah. Well, after that, we will be starting with the first three parts of the five part prime premiere darkness rising um i think we'll split it three and two yeah a lot of a lot of shows around this era because animated also starts with a five-parter um long but so we're not gonna do all at once but uh yeah i will you know you you want a guest on it you hit you hit us up we'll try to find a place for you i'll get it i'll get cracked on a google calendar it's gonna be great prime you know armada had a great time here's the door buddy we're talking about prime Time for the good stuff. Starscream is here. And he's got Starscream heels. is here and he's sexy. This is the sluttiest Starscream they've ever made, I think. He... Mm, the, no, okay. This, yeah, the this, only sluttier one is IDW one when being drawn by Sarah Stone. That's the only sluttier Starscream. No, I think Prime is sluttier. It's Look close. at his shoulder to waist ratio. Oh, he he had a he had quite a shoulder to waist ratio in Windblade as well. Let's I not know, kid ourselves. I know, but I could I could single handedly wrap my little fairy fingers around his waist. That's true. So yeah, we uh, we we'll, we'll debate that as the show goes on, and we'll come to a conclusion at the end of the first season. <laughs> Who's sluttier, Prime Starscream or IDW One Starscream? It's it's anyone's game. But yes, so uh, until then, we have been Prime Cuts who you can follow on Twitter at prime cuts pod and you can join our server, which you should because it's movie time next week. You fuck editors. I'm sorry. I was rude. I shouldn't be rude to our, our listeners. I mean, beloved discord members. <clears throat> anyway, you can join us there. I'm, I, I forget what order we go and I'm just going to do my plugs first. We don't have uh, any order for the plugs Nero. Does what it's fucking uh, no rules just try out back podcasting. I'm near. You can find me on Twitter at Dragon Smoocher. You can find various shows that I do in various places. The two ones that are going right now are Disney Minus at Disney Minus Pod. Next episode, Roger Rabbit, Stone Cold Classic, fucking great. You can also find uh, my Final Fantasy fourteen podcast, which is. All, I think after we're uploading the, the we should be uploading the third prelude episode this week, and after that we are officially starting Final Fantasy fourteen, and uh, you know that free that free trial is back up. So if anyone else wants to play along with us, you can. That is at Heidelin Radio on Twitter. Radio Free Heidelin's name of the show. I host that with my good friend Jane, who I also did a podcast about Shira with a couple years back. That is at Podcast of Power on Twitter. That Netflix Shira is a good ass show. Ask me. I'm Audrey. You can find me on Tumblr and Twitter at Optima Mom Prime. That's my funny robot internet joke, which will become even more relevant as we start watching Prime. Um, you can also listen to the other podcast I do, um, which is also... You said where you, you can find Prime Cuts already, right? Not yet. Oh, not yet. Uh, you can No fu- rules, just right out back podcast. <laughs> Great. Uh, you can uh, find the other podcast I do uh, called Pot of Greed at Pot of Greed Cast on Twitter. You can also find it on Noise Space that we'll talk about a little more in a second. 
um, and anywhere podcasts are found. It's about uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX. We're doing a bonus episode this week for our patrons. So um, we're going to be watching another Fast and Furious episode this uh, movie this this week. But generally speaking, again, towards the end of GX, um, get it while it's hot. Because great googly moogly, it's hot. Um, and then you can find that and a bunch of other shows, including this one on Noise Space, uh, which you can find at noisespace.xyz. Uh, it's a really great uh, network of podcasts that include things like Digimon Ghost Gaze and uh, Zero to Zero and uh, Slappers Only. Uh, so there's a bunch of different shows. You should listen to them all um, and support us that way. And I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So, um, until next time, I'm gonna um, hope watching Prime doesn't awaken something in me, transform, and roll out. I am going to look forward to the heavily advertised vocal performance by Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Transformers Prime Season 1, and look forward to all of his time on screen as Cliff Jumper, um, main character <laughs> of the show. Yes, he is. You're shitting um, me. Uh, and you, you should know that because he's there for the whole for he's the whole show, <laughs> he and is. he's great. And uh, I can't wait to hear so much of him. And I'm going to transform and roll out to the television to watch Dwayne the Rock Johnson on Transformers. Peach. Peach. Peach.